morning and welcome to Evangel Church Online, a safe place for everyone to explore faith in Jesus. We're so excited that you're here. This morning, we're gonna talk about some of the odd sayings of the Bible. but I really love finding out some of the origins of sayings. Anyone else? Like you hear something and it's just kind of odd and you wonder where it came from. Well, I have a few for you this morning. The first one being bite the bullet. We use bite the bullet when we have to do something hard or uncomfortable. And bite the bullet really did come from a time before anesthetic when they were gonna do a medical procedure, they would often put a bullet in your mouth to bite down on um, so that you could handle the physical discomfort of whatever procedure that was. Okay, what about breaking the ice? Well, we use this when we're meeting new people or we're gonna make new friends and, and ice breakers are commonplace in meetings and work retreats and all of those things. Well, before uh, we had kind of modern conveniences in transportation when ships were the main mode of transportation and trade, those ships would often get stuck in the ice as seasons changed and as uh, different parts of, of the ocean and seas closer to land got full of ice. The country that the ship was stuck in front of in an act of hospitality and friendship would send these small ice-breaking vessels out to free the ship. And so now we have breaking the ice or icebreakers to help us bond and create friendships um, and relationships. Okay, last one, how about letting your hair down? We use this often when we're finally able to relax with somebody or we feel comfortable, we're letting our hair down. Well, in medieval times, the wives of noblemen would often have these elaborate hairstyles and most of the time that involved their hair being in an updo. And the only time they were able to let their hair down was when they were at home surrounded just by their staff and family. They were in a comfortable place and they were finally able to let their hair down. Well, today, as we continue in our series in John, we come across a very odd saying of Jesus. And it's one that's caused a lot of confusion and even hesitancy towards Christianity and Jesus in general. Are you ready? <laughs> Here it is. Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. So what did Jesus really mean by this? Is he actually asking us to eat flesh and drink blood? And how do we respond? Do we respond the same as the people in the crowd when they heard him speaking these words? Well, if you have your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 6, verses 41 to 59. John chapter 6, verses 41 to 59. We've got a big bulk of scripture to cover this morning. Don't have a Bible? We can help you with that. Just head on over to myevangel.church forward slash Bible myevangel.church forward slash Bible, and we would be happy to help you get a Bible there. So John 6, 41 to 59. At this, so we're continuing on from where we were last week. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, 
Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Well, let's pray. God, I thank you that you bring truth and you guide us in truth. And even in these moments that can be hard to understand on a surface level and, and just in our own uh, logic and understanding, I thank you that you lead and guide us into all truth and you reveal Jesus to us, Holy Spirit. And so this morning, would you go before us? Would you draw us to Jesus? Would you open a spiritual understanding that we would be able to, to understand the words of Christ? Would you allow my own words to fade away and would you speak, Holy Spirit? We want to hear from you in your precious name. Amen. Well, there is just so much to unpack here. And so we're going to kind of jump around a bit within these, these verses, within this passage, to really unpack what Jesus is communicating as well as the reaction to his words. Because I promise you, Jesus is not talking about cannibalism. He is not asking us to be cannibals or to truly drink blood. I promise that nothing weird is happening here. But again, he's capitalizing on the miracle that happened the day before. And we kind of heard about this last week. He's capitalizing on this incredible miracle where he fed this crowd on the other side of the lake. And what happened when the crowds looked for him, they found he wasn't there and they followed him here to Capernaum. And now he's using the miracle that they witnessed on the other side of the lake yesterday to uncover a deeper truth about who he is. And he's revealing um, that the same way that the crowd was hungry for physical food, they are also spiritually hungry, even though they might not recognize it. And the only way that they can be satisfied is through Jesus, through himself. And Pastor Lucas really unpacked this for us last week. And so if you want a refresher on that, you can find that message wherever you're watching it right now. So as he continues on in this teaching, we're in that same moment that we started unpacking last week, as he continues on 
He's unpacking this a little bit further. Remember last week he said the will of God is to what? Believe in the one he sent. You're going to find satisfaction in me. And in this passage, as he continues on, he makes three very, very important points. One, no one can truly see Jesus for who he really is as the son of God, unless the father draws that person to Jesus. Two, Jesus's life, just like physical food gives life to our bodies, Jesus is life. He gives us spiritual life. And three, to refuse this invitation of Jesus is to miss life and it will result in death. It will result in spiritual death. So let's unpack this. So this crowd, they've heard the teaching, they've seen the miracles, and in their own humanity with their physical eyes and physical ears and physical tongues as they ate that bread, they have observed who Jesus is, but that's where their understanding has ended. It has ended at their own humanity and their own human logic and reasoning. They haven't had a spiritual revelation of who Jesus is. And this is something that uh, we recognize. And if you've been a Christian for a long time, you might have taken on, like I know I have, a deep sense of responsibility to reveal Jesus to the world around us. And there is an element of reflecting Jesus well, of allowing our lives to proclaim the difference that Jesus can make in a life, that is still true. But as someone who follows Jesus, we can take on this weight on our shoulders of feeling like it is up to us alone to reveal Jesus to the world around us. And it is good to reflect Jesus to the world around us. And it's good to be excited about the hope that we found in Jesus and to share that hope with the people in our sphere of influence. We are called to do that. But there's also a freedom in this very first statement that unless God the Father draws men to Jesus, they cannot see him on the level that they need to to recognize who he is. They could know about Jesus in their own human logic and understanding, but unless they have been awakened spiritually by the Father, they are going to miss out. And so seeing Jesus or experiencing him in our humanity, it's not going to be enough. Hearing words about Jesus with human ears alone, it's not going to be enough. Seeing the good works of people who follow Jesus, just like this crowd saw the good works of Jesus with their own human eyes, it's not going to be enough. It requires a spiritual understanding to meet Jesus. And so there's a freedom there of going, that's not our role. Our role is to reflect Jesus well so that when the Father starts drawing people to Jesus, they can look around and see him with spiritual eyes. And so if you're exploring faith with us this morning, I believe that the reason you're here is because you have a God who loves you and has been actively pursuing you and has been drawing you to truth, has been drawing you to Jesus. It tells us in verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. And so without that revelation of Jesus by God the Father, it's actually impossible to find him. And so the reason you're here is because you have a God who loves you enough to start drawing you towards him. But Jesus continues on. So he kind of is going from (laughs) 
with deeper levels. He's going from level to level to level. But Jesus continues by declaring again, he's the bread of life. So no one can understand this. They can't see their emptiness. They don't feel their hunger unless God the Father reveals it. And once they do, once that's revealed, who do they find? They find Jesus because he's the bread of life. And the only way that you can be satisfied is by believing in him. And he's this provision and sustenance that it's going to bring spiritual life to all humanity, just like bread, physical bread, brings sustenance and life to our physical bodies. Jesus brings sustenance and life to our spiritual bodies. And to have life means that we have to accept Jesus as our Messiah. But we have to also actively surrender to him as our Lord. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. So to have life means that we can't only accept who Jesus is. We have to take it a step further and actively surrender to that reality. Let me put it this way. There are a lot of things in life that we accept as true um, or we can acknowledge as true, but we don't closely follow. Take a speed limit sign. We can accept and acknowledge that the speed limit on this section of road is 50 kilometers an hour, 80 kilometers an hour, 100 kilometers an hour, and still willingly go just a little faster, or maybe in your case, a lot faster. We have acknowledged the truth, but we don't closely follow it. We have accepted truth, but we haven't surrendered to it. And so Jesus is saying here, that's not enough. Just having a spiritual understanding that you need God is not enough. Accepting the truth of who I am, that's not enough. We can recognize Jesus, but life comes not from the recognition, but from partaking in that reality. It comes not just from being close to the bread of life, but in eating it. It's not enough just to hold bread in your hands. If you hold bread in your hands for the rest of your life and you never eat it, you will die from hunger. And so Jesus is saying, no one can recognize their spiritual need. No one can recognize their hunger. No one can recognize me unless the Father draws them to me, unless the Father opens up their eyes to see it. And I am the bread of life. I am all life and hope. But the only way that you can get that life and hope is by partaking, by surrendering to me, by allowing me to fill you, by acting out the understanding that you have been granted by a gracious God. So we can recognize who Jesus is, but life comes from partaking in that reality. And this brings us once again to this comparison of manna. And I like, Jesus, how many times are you gonna compare manna and the bread of life that you are? But this is important. So now we are hearing this again, right? Why the manna? Well, both manna and Jesus were miraculously provided from God. The manna to 
uh, take care of the physical needs of the Israelites as they wandered in the wilderness and Jesus to take care of the spiritual needs of all of humanity. But there's something even deeper at play here. See, it was a belief that the Israelites who are wandering in the wilderness not only missed out on the promised land, they not only missed out on the fullness of life in the here and now, a land overflowing with milk and honey, the Bible tells us, right? Like this was the destination and they actively rejected it in their lack of faith that God would care for them. And so what was the rest of their days? The remainder of their days was wandering in this wilderness, exhausted and tired and grumbling, but God still provided for them. Their clothes stayed intact, their footwear stayed intact. He provided food for them and water to drink. God provided for them, but their life was not what it could have been. Their life was full of hardship when it could have been in the promised land. And so there was this belief that not only did they miss out on that, okay, they missed out on the promise, they missed out on the fullness of what God had for them. But there was this belief that they also would not be allowed into heaven at the end of their lives. In fact, rabbis in Jesus's time had a saying that the generation in the wilderness have no part in the life to come. And so there was this belief that they had missed out on life in the here and now, but also life in the eternal. And so Jesus is bringing it back to this understanding, to this level. And we need to go beyond the surface of our own understanding here in 2021 to understand the popular belief at the time so we can grasp what Jesus is truly saying. He's saying, if you don't have faith, if you reject me right now, not only are you going to miss out on life here and now, because we believe that belief in Jesus, having Jesus in your life changes everything. So not only are you going to miss out on fullness of life now, on joy and hope and purpose and love, that you're going to miss out on eternal life to come. You're going to miss out on all of it. And I don't want to get into a debate of if the Israelites are going to heaven because I don't get to make that decision. Jesus alone does. And I don't think that that's what he's saying. I don't think he's confirming that. I think he's using the popular belief as an analogy and we don't know. So let's not speculate on it. But Jesus is looking at these, this crowd and he's revealing, if you don't surrender to me as the bread of life, as the miracle of God, just like the manna was the miracle of God in provision, then you are going to miss out on life now, but you're also going to miss out on life to come. And so it's not enough to just acknowledge that I am a man who does miracles. You have to actively partake. You have to actively surrender. You have to actively Accept me into your life like you would eat of physical food. He's calling them to acknowledge and act on the revelation that he is God, that he's their redeemer and their Messiah. And just like those in the crowd, he's calling us to make the same decision. How are we going to respond to this message that number one, there is no way that we can find Jesus unless 
God draws us to him. And again, if you're watching, that part is happening for you. A God who loves you is drawing you into a relationship with him. And it's awakening a spiritual hunger that can only be filled by Jesus Christ. But if you, in faith, accept him, you will have life here and forevermore. But we also have another choice we could make. We could reject him and we would miss out on life here and now, but also forevermore. Because in that crowd were a myriad of responses. And just like that crowd, when we hear that message of Jesus as bread of life is the only one who can fill that spiritual void within us, we react in a myriad of ways. And so the first reaction that we see in this crowd was that they rejected Jesus's divinity. They pointed out who his father was and who his mother was and, and that there was no way that he could be who he claimed to be. And we can find ourselves here very easily, can't we? There's this prevalent belief in our society that Jesus was just a good teacher. He was just a good man. Like we could go so far as to say he was a good prophet, but we downplay his divinity. He was human, not God. Just a very, very good human. <laughs> a very good philosopher, a very good teacher. But even though he was just human, you know, there's merit to the Bible. There's merit to following his teachings. There's merit to patterning, patterning our lives after him because if we do those things, then we're good like him and it only brings good to our communities. And so it's not this rejection of Jesus as a whole. It's just this downplaying of his divinity. It's just a downplaying of who he really is and it just turns Jesus into the next self-help guru. It's holding the bread of life but never eating it. It's acknowledging Jesus but not the need to surrender to him. But then there was a flat-out resistance, a flat-out rejection, this active defiance of Jesus. And the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And there's this anger that starts to bubble up to the surface. Now it's this decision that regardless of the draw, we really actively want nothing to do with Jesus. And we're kind of like those Israelites who wandered in the wilderness, grumbling and complaining the whole time. And this isn't a new idea to Jesus. Even the word that he uses when he talks about the father drawing all men to him, that word is helkuo. Um, and helkuo is a word that implies resistance, like drawing water up um, out of a well. There's a weight, there's a pulling away um, that's implied with this word. And so the idea that some people are going to resist, some people are going to pull away from him, even as he's drawing them to himself, that's implied within Jesus's statement. Because this is the beautiful thing about our God, is that even as he draws us to himself, he allows us to choose for ourselves. And for some, this idea of surrendering their life to Jesus, of giving up control, of, of vacating the captain's chair so he can sit in it, that's something that they just can't accept. And the idea is as preposterous as the idea of 
eating flesh and drinking blood. And that's nothing new to Jesus. See, this crowd, they resisted the analogy. They resisted the draw. They, they wanted to just stay on this surface level so that they could actively reject what Jesus was teaching. So that they could ridicule. So that they could uh, refute. And we have those who actively reject the pull of God on their lives so that they can keep him at arm's length. And if we refuse to be drawn deeper into spiritual understanding, Jesus lets us. But we will find him distasteful and we'll reject the beauty of his teaching, we'll reject his leading, we'll reject his sacrifice. And even though we may listen, we've already set our hearts to refuse to understand. And we stay actively defiant of all of Jesus' teaching and of who he is. But there's a third choice. And it's a leap of faith. See, there were those in the crowd who accepted Jesus' teaching. And there were those in the crowd who surrendered their lives. And there were those in the crowd who followed him. And they listened and they allowed the Father to draw them to Jesus, to breathe understanding and a spiritual hunger into them. And in the end, they came to the conclusion that yes, there's no approaching the Father except through the Son. And there's no approaching the Son unless the Father draws them to him. And standing in Capernaum on that day, listening to like what seemed revolutionary, I don't know where I would have landed in that crowd, <laughs> right? I don't know what my reaction would have been to this odd saying of Jesus that you have to eat his flesh and drink his blood. But I do know that unless the Father breathes an awakening into our spirits, we're not at a place where we can understand. Because I still have a hard time with this specific saying, even understanding it as I do, even knowing what the deeper meaning is, I still have this like gut reaction of like, I think I might be sick because it is so odd. Like Jesus, you couldn't have picked any other analogy. There were so many. Why this one? And at the same time, it's the perfect analogy that just like our physical nourishment comes from physical food, our spiritual nourishment comes from Jesus. And it doesn't come from just holding him close. It doesn't come from just accepting who he is. It can only happen when we accept him into us. Just like to get the physical nourishment of food, we have to eat it. To get the spiritual nourishment, the spiritual life of Jesus, we have to surrender and allow him to fill those places. It comes from acknowledging and acting on the reality of who Jesus is. So again, if you're exploring faith this morning, I believe that you're here because you have a God who loves you, who has been drawing you to him, who's been pursuing you. But I also know that we have a God who is gracious to allow us to choose him. We have a God who doesn't force himself onto humanity 
And the teaching of Jesus in Capernaum that day is just as true now as then. That nobody can come to faith in Jesus unless the Father awakens a spiritual desire, a spiritual hunger, a spiritual understanding in them. And when that's awakened, the only way that we'll find satisfaction for it is through Jesus because he's the bread of life. But that we still have freedom to choose. And that if we choose him, we will find life and fulfillment in the here and now and in the forevermore. Or, like the Israelites, we can refuse him. And we will not have the fullness of life in the here and now. And like the popular belief, we will be apart from God for eternity. We will face the payment that is due from our sin, from our wrong choices, we will have to pay that penalty ourselves in death. The response to that teaching isn't one that we can make as a crowd. It's not one that you can make in a marriage or in a community. It's one that is individual. And the response to Jesus' teaching is one that takes just as much weighing as I'm sure it did in the crowd that day. So where do you sit? Who is Jesus to you and what will you choose to do with this odd saying? Will you choose to, to downplay the divinity? <laughs> like I, I can just hold the bread. I can just pattern my life around it, but I don't have to accept it. Or this is so distasteful to me I want nothing to do with any of it, and I'm going to actively poise my life against Jesus. Or you can choose to acknowledge that he's your savior, but also surrender and allow him to fill you. And if you're exploring faith this morning and you would like to just walk with somebody through this, if you have questions that you want answers to, if you just want to just like, run out what you're feeling and processing in the minute, our staff would love to do that with you. If you just text us um, at the number on the screen, 604-210-8535, we would love to set up a time to just have a coffee and walk through this with you. Listen, um, and if you have questions, to share what we hold to be true. Well, we are each invited to meet Jesus, to go beyond acknowledgement to an active, faith in him, to a faith that invites us to surrender and allows him to fill us that we can have life and nourishment through him. Let me pray for you. So God, I thank you that when we surrender our lives to you, when we make space for you, you are faithful to fill it. And so this morning, we acknowledge you as the bread of life. We acknowledge you as God. We acknowledge you as our redeemer and our Messiah, but we don't just hold you, hold you close, but not allow <laughs> you to fill us. We, we do, we partake in what you are doing. We ask you by your spirit to fill us, to bring life to dead places, to, to sustain and nourish us, to change us, to look more and more like you. So would you lead us into truth? Would you draw us to yourself and continue to reveal yourself to us? We love you in your precious name.
Amen. Well, if you just stay with us, we have a few announcements this morning that we're gonna do as we end our service. But again, we would love to see you in person. We are at church 10 a.m. every Sunday and there is a spot for you. So we would love to see you if you are in Powell River. Have a great day. One thing that coming back together in faith community has shown us is how much we need each other. And the running of Evangel Church day to day is no different than the relational need we have of each other. Faith community works best when everyone uses their gifts and talents to serve one another and to glorify God. And so we wanna invite you into a season of discerning where you fit in Evangel Church. We have a form at myevangel.church forward slash get involved, all one word, myevangel.church forward slash get involved that we would love for you to fill out and we can start walking through a season with you of finding your fit here at Evangel Church. It takes all of us. Faith community works best when we all, each of us, use our gifts and talents to serve one another and glorify God. Well, friends, we're so thankful for your giving over this season. It has allowed us to continue to support our global partners that are doing great work here in Canada and around the world. It's allowed us to reach out into our community as the various and, and kind of unique needs of COVID have presented themselves. And it's allowed us to continue to do what we do here in this building at Evangel. So if you wanna give, uh, you have a couple of ways to do that. If you go to myevangel.church forward slash give, it will give you all of the ways to do that. Uh, that you can join with us in, in walking in faithfulness to what God has called us as givers. And so we just thank you so much, friends, and that is a place to find all the information you may need.